like the real deal now. Ooh. Gonna kick this sorry ass out on the street. Thank you for having me. And we are beginning a new like mini series on the podcast where we're going to explore the Austin McMahon rivalry, which currently went from WrestleMania 14 to July 1999. Uh, it's very iconic, especially the main foundation of the Attitude Era. Um, Adam has been very kind enough to go with me for this whole journey, but pretty much focus on the Austin matches and anything else that was major during that time. And before we'll start with the two like two instances that kind of pulled the formation of the two main people in this which is obviously Stone Cold and Vince McMahon uh, and we're going to start with Steve Austin which was the King of the Wing in 1996 uh, so Adam what was your first experience of the Austin McMahon rivalry? Funnily enough for me it actually came after the fact uh, I wasn't watching a lot of wrestling at that time, not WWF stuff at least. Yeah. Uh, so, I like, I, I believe I've said this on the podcast before. Like, I was always more of a WCW guy back in that time. Yeah. Uh, so, and I didn't have Sky Sports at the time. So, a lot of the stuff I saw, like at the time at least, was. You know, if I was at a friend's house or, you know, hearing about it the next day from someone at school. Yeah. And, like, uh, and being a WCW guy, I, I obviously remembered Steve Austin as stunning Steve Austin. Yeah. You know, the sort of preening, vainglorious, kind of, like, cocky heel, especially as being one half of uh, the Hollywood blondes. Yeah. So, like, to see him... And I missed a lot of the, um, like, his ECW run at the time. Like, I heard about it, but I didn't see it at the time because there wasn't really an outlet for ECW here at the time out with tape traders. So, like, I knew him as this, you know, the long blonde hair, cocky, and then all of a sudden you see him, you know, cutting promos where he's like, like, basically what I'm saying is for me, the change was more sudden because of what I missed. Yes. So, in my mind, he instantly went from this sort of, you know, the vainglorious, kind of stunning Steve character to, you know, bald, you know, and cutting promos on a legend like Jake the Snake Roberts for, like, being an alcoholic and uh, making fun of his religious beliefs, which, stuff like that on... WWF at the time was unheard of. Yes. You know, it was, uh, it was, and still was for a little bit afterwards, like very cartoonish and over the top. Like, I mean, looking at the brackets here, you can see characters like, like while you had you know tougher, you know, characters coming in like you know Ahmed Johnson and Vader, you also had like 
Goldust, Return of the Ultimate Warrior, um, you know, the Godwins, you know, people like that. Oh, and Skip as well. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people point to, like, him winning King of the Ring as being, I guess, like the start of the Attitude Era, and it's hard to argue with it, really. Yeah, I think a lot of people kind of view more Westworld 14 because that's when he won the WWE Championship for the first time. Uh, I'd like to test mm-hmm. it at the beginning, but I always found the way that... It, it, yeah, it, but this, this was the genesis of it, yeah, easily. And I, yeah, and I think that's what's like with this, and obviously with how the Mr. McMahon character, that the instance that ha- when that happened, so it's good to see cause a lot of people kind of start like at the very beginning when it was all when all started to build up. But I thought it was it, was, it would be nice to just go back and see when did it always start? Didn't like, it wasn't like two guys just sort of kids came together. There, there was a foundation yeah. of those characters. So that's what I wanted to do. Just look at them and all that mm. stuff. And um, for me, it's I kind of got into it around the last few months of it because uh, like like you, I didn't have Sky Sports, but I had Sky. So we used to be like no, that, the one I was like like. Recap program like on Sky One. Oh yeah, like uh, bottom line and yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, so I kind of how I got through it, um, and then we really got interested in the last like, for instance, this West Mini Fifteen. That's the last three or four months of it, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So that was like my main thing. Um, so with King of the Ring '96, um, had you watched? Obviously, have you seen this match before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've seen the show before, but just I didn't see it at the time. Yes, obviously, yeah, I was saying like there was like my gap. I think mean, for me, I think I missed the podcast. So kind of gone to Western about ninety two, ninety three, then a gap till about ninety nine, which is mm. obviously a gap again, all that stuff. Um, for me, it was like my my gap because I think everyone had a gap, like people yeah. of our sort of age group. Uh, mine was I think about like sort of mid ninety five. I want to say. Yeah. Uh, like for WWF stuff at least, yeah. and that lasted up until I think maybe early '98. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm saying. Um, yeah, so with this, I mean, obviously it's famous for this, um, but at this time you had uh, with people yourself, you had Mister Man who went, who wasn't like widely known. He was the owner, unless you actually really looked. Obviously, it would be more known this mm. than probably here. Um, so he was commentating at the time. Uh, you had him, Jim Ross, and uh, Owen Hart. And spoiler, I think mean, Owen Hart's probably the best one of the but he was just really funny. Um, yeah. I know that stuff. Um, so we go to the semi finals. Um, if I remember correctly, the first semi final was Stone Cold facing Mark Mello. Uh, and obviously, uh, and this time uh, it was the Wildman Mark Mello, which is Wipe Sable. Um, uh, no, uh, Austin's first match was Savio Vega. Oh, right. I'm sorry, I was talking about the day Semi finals was Mark Merrill. Yeah, so, so I was talking about the day itself. Sorry. Um, oh, right. Oh, beg your pardon. Sorry. That's all right, that's fine. Before we start, I just forgot that when Steve came in, Steve Austin came in, he came in as a ringmaster and he was, and he had uh, the million dollar man as his manager. Do, have you seen any of that time when he was the ringmaster? Yeah, it was weird because between, like, obviously, and again, from what I said earlier, I'm looking at it in retrospect now, but um, between, like, Stunning Steve and obviously, like, the, the, his ECW run, brief as it was, you can definitely see 
the sort of seeds planted of the Stone yeah. Cold character, I think, in that. Yeah. Uh, so he's clearly this like charismatic individual. Yeah. And then to have him just be this sort of almost like almost like a blank wrestler, just kind of not saying anything, you know, because he wasn't like. Not that I'm saying DiBiase as being someone's manager is a bad idea, but Austin was someone who certainly didn't need it. Yeah, he's more. He was always more than capable of talking for himself. So it was a very strange thing. But then again, like at that time, and it was something that kind of came back. I think maybe about ten or so years ago, where WWF at the time had this thing of where if they brought in someone from someone else, they would, like, radically change them up. Yeah. Like, the other obvious example being Goldust. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, it was a strange thing to see. Yeah, I think for me it's... Very surreal. Yeah, I think for me it's because obviously in here a Stone Cold, a Stone Cold, he was, like, a brawler, he was, like, a foul-mouthed guy. It was a bit weird. When, I think done that massive scene saw in at the wing battle was maybe 12. So it's a bit weird him being like more of a technical wrestler in the way, and I know he changed styles more because of the injury to Steve to say Owen Hart uh, in '97. But it was yeah. basically in him and Mel I think is probably one of the most underrated wrestlers in the in the WF at the time ever had. So, but I always found it a oh, weird dynamic. Absolutely, Mel Donaldson, great talker, great wrestler, but just yeah. weird seeing them together. Uh, so, for it doesn't last long. I think it lasts a few months, but then. Um, obviously, Stone Cold the start of the to um, his character that we know today. Um, so, and then, so we go back to King of the Wings. In the middle semi-final, it's uh, Vader against Dick Snake. Dick Snake is 41 years old at the time, and he's talking. And I think they're going to because oh, we saw some of his problems with his alcoholism and all that stuff. But the, the whole, it's so weird because the whole preview has this whole like, Cinderella story for Jake Roberts. So it's so weird where that yeah. doesn't succeed at the end. Um, which is, which and is not just that, but like the fact that Austin basically wiping the floor with him. Yes. And yes. not not just that, but then going on to like mock him and After, yeah. you know, for yeah. again the alcoholism and religious views yeah. ended up being the thing that made Steve Austin like the number one like oh. I, Good guy's not the right term, but like I guess anti-hero. Yes. Sir. So. Uh, like, in not just the company, but in wrestling itself. Yeah, I think so. Um, what was your, what's your, what was your initial experience with Jake the Snake? I always liked Jake the Snake. Um, like, I mean, going back to you know his w- original WWF run, sort of throughout the 80s and early 90s I was always a fan Yeah. Uh, and as I said when I hadn't been watching it this time so his problems with you know alcoholism and drugs were like I'd heard things like you know because I, like, I used to read like Power Slam magazine yeah. and stuff like that but the, the extent of it was something that was kind of unknown to me not to mention, I was like still quite young at the time, so didn't really grasp the enormity of it. Yeah. 
but yeah, I was always a fan of Jake the Snake. Uh, I think he's probably like, uh, in my opinion, like arguably the best guy that has never won a major title anywhere. Uh, I mean, he did in, like, back in the territory days and stuff, but in, in, in as far as, you know, you know, national size and, you know, like, international companies, he never won any titles at all. Yeah. It's not weird, I mean, I think my first match I saw him was his match with Undertaker for WrestleMania 8, and he's one of those wrestlers that I knew was good. Oh, yeah. So, as I got older, I, I kind of appreciated what he, what, what he was doing, and, and you know, it was absolutely... Is probably Kurt Angle. I, mean, I liked Kurt Angle when he first started, but as I got older and I just like podcasts and like articles about what he was doing, I really like it. Kind of made me appreciate it more. I go, oh yeah, yeah. what he doing was really, really good. Um, I think, I think one thing I find funny about the semi-final, they're talking about oh yeah, Jake Snake's forty-one, but since their story, they're just the same age. And they don't mention that, about that at all. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was about funny. Um, anyway, it's um, the, the, that semi-final don't forget. It's more because. Um, Jake hit DDT, but Vader pulls the referee shirt, and that's enough to get disqualified. Um, afterwards, Vader doesn't mm. take that well, and pretty much beats the fuck out of Jake Snake. Um, afterwards, and so the story as Vader just want to do. Yes, and so the story, you know, <laughs> that whole cinema story vibe. The whole story is now like, will he compete? How you know, will he ribs hold up and all stuff? Um, you know, because he's going to wrap in midsection. Um, so, so fast forward now. I, I thought I, I thought this match was the main event because you know it's king of the wing, but um, it actually isn't. It's like I think it's the second or third last match on the show, um, mm. which I found a bit weird. Um, and so just before we get we get the introduction of Brian Pillman, and Brian Pillman is probably another person who started. It, what his gimmick was was kind of, kind of that little, like we go like you know obviously Stone Cold and Mr. McMahon we will get to in the next episode. But we've got Brian Pillman and that's like, you know little like pieces of the foundation that was here kind of being like thrown out now. Um, at this because Brian Pillman was like, like nothing like major, like you know like you know I don't know you watch Dynamite but he doesn't just say like shit and bitch a few times on that show. It's nothing like that. Yeah. But on this it's like some of the bitch and that's. That was a major thing at the time because WWE was going through this whole like cartoony type gimmick and um and through the new generation, you know, obviously that's year. So it's it was quite like surprising at the time. Hmm. Um I mean again and I was always a Brian Pillman fan as well. Yeah. Uh in fact the very first match, like non WWF match that I ever saw was him against Liger from yeah. Super Brawl 2. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I always thought he was cool, but, and again, it's like, it's that gap that I was talking about, then all of a sudden, you know, he's gone, because he went from, you know, the sort of high-flying pretty boy to, you know, being Hollywood blondes with Steve Austin, and now he's this kind of, kind of foul-mouthed guy, like, who doesn't give a fuck? That's <laughs> <laughs> so, so weird. Uh, so, in this match, it's, I think it's all about the whole similarity story because you've had matches where someone's been beforehand, so the, like, 
because Austin Time was was the heel, so he like beat the fuck out of him. Yeah. And then Jay, he's better. Jay Freeman come back and then he'll go on to win. None of that happens. It's basically a squash match. Um, pretty much. Um, I know early in the night, like you had the interview, like a backstage bit with uh, what was being like taped up and. Joanna Monsoon, who was the president of the WF at the time, uh, he was like saying, Yeah, I think he should be able to compete and all that stuff. Uh, so, and when we get to the match, like, Austin's like just being the trap out of him and all that stuff. And it's, I think it's only like a three, four minute match, but it does seem longer because there's a lot of rest periods in it. Um, yeah. And I can't really remember. I don't think, I think, I don't think, I can't remember if Jake even got any offense in. I can't remember, I can't remember if it was just all Austin or not. Um, so. I mean, I'm, I've got the like the brackets up here. And yeah. at the time is like four and a half minutes. Yeah, it just it just didn't. It felt longer than that. I think because there was some rest periods, and there's a time when um, like Grinnell Muslim comes out and checks if uh, also what you know the Jake Wallace wants to you know, give up and obviously gonna say no. Um, yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. And it does make a very short comeback, but um, Austin. Well, shuts it down, hits a stunner, and wins. So he's your 1996 King of the Ring. Um, but I think a lot of people don't really talk about the match, they talk about what happened afterwards. And it's, uh, I'm actually getting the transcript for him here. So obviously the interview with Dot Hendricks, and um, Austin says, the first thing I want to be done is to get that piece of crap out of my wing. Don't just get him out of my wing, get him out of WF, because I proved son, without shadow of doubt, that ain't got what it takes to, anymore, which sounds like a sore winner. <laughs> like, like I, yeah. you know, <laughs> I won, you lost, you'll just get away from me. Um, and it goes on to like, that, I mean, you look, you look at the whole tournament, and like you said, Cinderella story, because like Roberts, he beat uh, Hunter Hearst Elmsley in the yeah. prelim, who, like, and obviously that's another story for another day, but Triple H yeah. obviously was supposed to be the original winner yeah then he beats you know Bradshaw who's like obviously a lot bigger and stronger than him so he's yeah. going to be playing the underdog meanwhile in that round Vader gets a bye <laughs> so it's like the classic you know building the underdog thing yeah and then to have him like relentlessly mocked <laughs> in <Yeah>. the victory speech <laughs> and and that, and as as I said, that being like the catalyst for launching Austin is like the biggest star in wrestling yeah. that everybody loves. It, it was a weird thing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, so he goes into the continue. You sit there, you thump your Bible, and you say your prayers, and it didn't get you. Uh, it didn't get you anywhere. Talk about your Zom. Talk about John Freestyle theme. Austin Freestyle says, "I just ripped you off." All he's going to do is buy a cheap bottle from the bird, which I presume is that alcoholic lager. Um, uh, yeah, it's like a it's a cheap drink in uh, America. Yeah, um, I tried to get back someone that could have this prime. Um, so that's in pretty much like just going like go go back to the past, which is kind of thing. Um, and then he goes on to like saying that, you know, I'm serving those to everyone in WWE superstars. I don't know them what they are. They're on the list. That's the code, code list. I'm going to fix them to start running through all of them. As far as this championship match is considered, someone I don't give a damn. It was David Boyce here for Shawn Michaels. Often time has come, and when they get the shot, you're looking at the next WWE champion. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. Um, I can't remember if this is the first time he said Stone Cold said so. You know, that's the bottom line. I can't remember if he said it before this match. 
close this match or not? Um, it might have been. If not, it was not long before he started yeah. saying it. Yeah, and um, obviously during this time, Shawn Michaels was the champion. He goes on to defeat the British Bulldog at the main event in the show. Uh, I find it hard to believe, I find it weird that it took, like, just over about roughly 18, 20 months between this happening and him win the championship for the first time and I know with the obviously that got like delayed slightly because he had a really bad injury at Owen Hart he broke his neck there's a chance he might not be able to wrestle again but did you even you put that aside do you find it surprising the gap between him winning King of the Ring and becoming champion for the first time and uh, again I guess it is weird looking at it in retrospect but um one thing that I think, well, besides obviously, as you said, extenuating circumstances like uh, like the injury and like or, like Shawn Michaels losing his smile and all this kind of thing, is that the the WWF's pay per view structure at the time was it was all the like. Because uh, this was, I think, about a year after they moved to doing one every month. Yeah. That was like, I think, early '95 they did that. So, but at the time, the ones out with like the Big Four and King of the Ring, the other ones were still very much viewed uh, by the fans, at least, as sort of like B shows. They weren't viewed. Even though they were pay-per-views, they weren't viewed with the same importance um, that, like, you know, Rumble, WrestleMania, Survivor Series, SummerSlam are. And I think it was still part of that period where WWF were transitioning between, you know, like they would have a long-term plan of, you know, like someone wins a match, you know, on a Saturday night's main event in, like, April. And it's not until like WrestleMania the following year that they get their like big shot or whatever. Because yeah. uh, and I think they were still kind of adjusting to that at that time. So I think it's a bit of, bit of that and a bit of, as you said, like the injury and Shawn Michaels being Shawn Michaels. Yeah. So yeah, it's a bit weird. I think I think it also just bad. No bad time. I think you didn't have the whole like. John Michael being champion, and I know the the times that he kind of was a bit of a dick during that time, like he prevented Vader yeah. from the champion. I don't think it was as bad as like Hulk Hogan's, because I think that's like the like pinnacle. No, but, uh, but it's still like. But I don't think close. anyone is. Yeah, um, and obviously then Brett, I don't do a time, but they had a mess with the ninety seven, and Brett becomes champion, and all that stuff, which we'll get to another time. Um, yeah, so it's one of the things that uh, I think, as I said before, I think, I don't think offhand about when people came premium the Wimbledon champion. I think the longest one is probably Edge, because he won it in 2001, and, which, and, became, and about four years later became the first Money in the Bank winner, and won that way. So it's like close to five years. Yeah, I think as well, like, the, um, the, the thing, another possible factor in the gap is, again, Austin wasn't the original winner. So, I mean, it's entirely possible that they had never envis- envisaged him as being, like, the top guy. Yeah. So, 
I mean, obviously, it was supposed to be originally Triple H in that spot. He got punished for like the curtain call thing because yeah. they weren't going to touch Shawn Michaels and they couldn't touch yeah. Scott Hall or Kevin Nash. Uh, so, I mean, it was kind of like an accident of circumstance that Austin was even able to be in the position to cut that promo, which yeah. inevitably ended up kick-starting the, this like run that made him like yeah. the guy. <laughs> yeah. So, definitely, is, um, it's all weird that this is um, how the whole thing like, turned out. But, you know, obviously it led to good things in the end. Um, so, just um, Oh, yeah. Uh, just a big talk about, because obviously it's been a while since I left the episode of the podcast. Um, what's what's been your opinion of the West, wrestling over the last year? Uh, hit and miss. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, truth told, I haven't been watching a lot of WWE. Um, in fact, out with, out with the Royal Rumble, and the uh, the Tegan Knox Dakota Kai match from the last NXT Takeover. Uh, the last WWE show I watched in full, anyway, was the um, the SmackDown where Kofi lost the title. Oh yeah. Uh, that was uh, out with the Royal Rumble. That was the last WWE show I watched in full. Yeah. Uh, like I've been watching a lot more uh, independent wrestling. Like, and I think it ties into. I was actually like I mentioned in that message, you know, before this I was going to the shop because yeah. I need to get there before it closed, and I was actually thinking about this on the walk there and back. It kind of ties into, I guess, what made Austin a star is the character, yeah. because the guys that can become that big on the wrestling alone are few and far between. Yeah. Like the only. I think the arguable case you can make is Daniel Bryan. And even then, he's like, he just has a natural, like, he's charismatic, not in the same way that someone like The Rock is, but he just has, like, a natural likability to him. You know, you're drawn to him in that way. So, looking at, like, American independent wrestling, like, Austin, you. If you were to ask someone like their top ten Austin moments, most of them are going to be that. They're going to be moments. Yeah. A lot of them might not necessarily be matches. Yeah. I think with the, probably the exception to that would be his WrestleMania matches with The Rock. Yeah. Most of it will be you know like the Austin three sixteen thing or driving the Zamboni down to the ring or. Yeah. And it it's like that like it was the character that made him that like struck a chord with people because he was this you know like regular guy who's a badass who's like beating up his boss and stuff and people lived vicariously through that yeah you and there's three names in independent in american independent wrestling today uh that i think like not not in the same way as austin obviously but it's the same thing uh, and that's, uh, I don't know if you've heard of them, Warhorse, Danhausen, and Effie. I think I've heard the second one. And, all right. Uh, they're three, like, three completely different characters. 
like Warhorse is like uh, 80s metalhead. Yeah. The um, like that. I don't know if you've seen that website, Independent Wrestling TV. It's basically like an on-demand service for like a number of yeah. uh, American independent promotions, and they have a single championship that can be defended at basically any of the promotions that are carried on that service. Warhorse is the current champion. Uh, Danhausen's like a weird, almost Hammer Horror esque kind of like d- demon, but he plays it for laughs. Yeah. And Effie's like openly gay um, and really sort of plays up to that. But the thing uh, that I mean with it all is, I mean, really, those are three characters completely different from Steve Austin, yeah. but it's the characters that are getting them over. People care about the characters. Yeah. Like the amount of comments that I've seen on Twitter, like in response to like some of the funny videos and stuff they put up. And if anyone hasn't seen their videos, I recommend checking them out on Twitter because they constantly post like promos and stuff on Twitter and they're all like hilarious and entertaining. Is the amount of comments in reply you see from people who say things like, You're one of my favourite wrestlers and I haven't even seen a match of yours yet. And that's the smart thing. I mean, like, a lot. Of, there is a lot of wrestlers out there that get over because you know they'll see like you know Larry Atto or whoever like put up a gif of theirs where they do this incredible dive over the top. And I'm not knocking that. It's, you know, guys that can do that. It's an amazing display of athleticism. I could never do it in a million years. Yeah. But making people care about your character is where the money is whether it's like because you're entertaining because people can relate to you uh whether you're funny or people want to see you get your comeuppance or whatever you know that's the way to go and i think those three guys have learned from that whether it was directly austin they learned from or not i don't know but uh and there's i mean there there's certainly more out there that are doing that like using social media to get their characters out there but yeah. I think those three at the moment are the best at it like and I said this on Twitter a few weeks ago wrestling WWE in particular uh, but wrestling in general right now owes a hell of a debt to Zack Ryder yeah. because he was the guy that really kickstarted using social media to get your character over and to tie it again in with the Austin thing, as I said earlier, Austin probably wasn't, you know, pegged as being like the guy. Yeah. But fans got behind him. They're with like because he was a breath of fresh air in that cartoony era, and they related with him being like you know held down by his boss. Yeah. So they listened to the fans and made him the guy. I mean. And for a long time, I mean, there are again, there are exceptions. Like, look at Becky Lynch. Yeah. Like, she was made like the top star basically because they had no choice but to. But how many times over the past few years have you seen with W? Not just with WWE, but with, but obviously that's the main company that most people watch. How many times have you seen, oh, I wish they'd use this guy better. I wish they'd push that guy. Or you hear someone getting huge reactions and they don't really do anything with it. Like, yeah. you know, like Rusev's a good example of that, I think. 
but yeah, like it's they listened to fans back then, and that's what a combination of all of those things made Austin the star. Uh, I, I'm kind of rambling now. I get that, but <laughs> I, yeah, I mean they've definitely done it with Becky Lynch. Definitely done it with Becky Lynch. I really remember the last time. I think the problem with Becky Lynch's heel turn is that it was a thousand percent justified, and the fans got behind that. They were like, "Yeah, you got fucked over. You deserve what's happened. You deserve what you need. You, know, you deserve this anger towards Charlotte Flair." So, um, mm. and another thing, like I, I've just like thought of there, Austin, you know, like attacking the boss. Uh, people and people say, oh, that was the first time that a wrestler, you know, gave it stinking and you know attacked his boss. And it wasn't really. It had happened a handful of times before. Yeah. It was the first time, to my memory anyway, and I'm sure if anyone listening to this uh, can remember an earlier example, you know, please, please correct. By all means, correct me. But I believe it was the first time that the, the wrestler doing that made them the good guy. Yeah, because I mean, I think even shortly before, like Vader attacked Gorilla Monsoon, yeah, and like that made him that was viewed as horrible. It was reprehensible. It was beyond the pale. It was viewed as like devil incarnate for doing it, yeah. Or like when like heels used to like rip into Jack Tunney during promos and stuff like that. I mean, that's not a physical attack, but. Uh, so, it, it was a big turning point. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is a lot of things, isn't it? Because obviously he's. I mean, we'll get into it more, but obviously, Vince McMahon's got a lot of you the whole like, Bret Hart situation as well, and all that sort of But we'll, see, we'll get into that in the next episode. Uh, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, so, um, so, talking about the next episode, we will be discussing the, uh, the like, probation of the Mr. McMahon character, and that started at Survivor Series 1997, which. It's literally known as the Montreal Street Job. So I think that is something that I think we're both really looking forward to talking about in the near future. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, let's face it, it's ground that's been covered before, but it's always nice to get into the weak conspiracy theories and yeah. stuff surrounding it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. so um, Adam, where can you find me on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, I have two accounts because I'm fancy that way. Uh, wrestling without context that's W-R-E-S no context all one word uh, even though that's a complete misnomer because I post like shitty jokes and shit posts and stuff as well it's just weird pictures of wrestling without any context and uh, Ginger Pimpernel there's also a thing I would like to plug if you'll indulge me so uh, next month uh, I'm going to be doing a charity stream on Twitch uh, to raise money for the Beats and Cancer charity, uh, who fund, they fund all the treatment and support received by patients at the Beats and Cancer Centre in Glasgow, Scotland. Uh, the reason for it is uh, next month will be 10 years since I lost my cousin to cancer. Uh, so we're kind of doing it in his memory. Uh, it'll be me, a couple of friends hosting it. We're just, uh, it's going to be across two days, the 14th and 15th of March. Uh, we're going to be playing basically just wrestling games, mostly Fire Pro Wrestling, but we're going to slip a few other wee things here and there in. Uh, and we're going to have a lot of special guests as well. 
uh, from the wrestling world because I've used that the reach of that fancy Twitter to reach out to some people and uh, get them to join us uh, as and when they're able. Obviously, you know, bookings and stuff permitting. Uh, our guests so far are uh, Jayla Dark, who recently retired, was best known for wrestling for Pro Wrestling Eve and Ace Ribbon in Japan. We've got Emily Hayden, who's the women's champ of a couple of companies here in the UK. We have Aisha Raymond, who's wrestles throughout Europe and was a competitor in the May Young Classic. Uh, we have Gene Money, who wrestles all around the UK. Very good comedy wrestler. If you've not seen him, I strongly recommend looking him up. We have Sugar Dunkerton, uh, who's an American wrestler who for a while was based in the UK. Uh, former Chikara. Very funny guy. Very cool guy. And how's about this for a guest, by the way? We have Former WCW champion David Arquette. Oh, oh yeah, have you gone back to wrestling last year? Did you go back into wrestling? Yeah, uh, about about two years ago he went back to wrestling, uh, and like he's like kind of playing up in some companies at least. You know the sort of big Hollywood star kind of yeah. angle. He was training with a guy called RJ City, who is another one along with Warhorse Dan Housen and Effie who I would say is very good at using social media to put his character over yeah. uh, and in, in fact he recently did an interview with Steve Austin uh, on a YouTube series he does so check that out um, so yeah we've got Dave, David Arquette uh, uh, will be has agreed to join us to help out with this uh, cause it means a great deal to me it was funny because I was talking to Jayla uh, Dark, the aforementioned Jayla Dark, who's out with wrestling, is actually a friend of mine. And I mentioned that David Arquette follows the Wrestling Without Context account, and I half-jokingly said, oh, we should approach him, try and get him in. And she said, you know, just go for it. You know, The worst that can happen is he's not able to, and he says no. So I messaged him just saying, hey, this is what we're doing, this is the charity we're doing it for. Uh, if you happen to have any free time on either day, would you be interested in joining us? And he messaged me back in like an hour. He's like, sure, how can I help? Uh, just a really, really nice guy. Oh, and we're a non-wrestling guest, kind of. Uh, we're going to have a stand-up comedian, uh, Australian, uh, based in England, by the name of John Robertson, who's best known for hosting a comedy show called The Dark Room. Very, very funny man. Big wrestling fan. Has wrestled one match before back in Australia. Uh, and he'll be a right scream on it and we might have there might be one or two other guests still to be announced uh, that will be done on the Wrestling Without Context Twitter uh, just try to sort out stuff with you know like schedules, bookings because obviously that's something we have to work around but that will be live on twitch.tv slash gingerpimpernel on the 14th and 15th of March I hope as many of you listening can come and join us even if you're not able to donate, and I get that because I've been, I've watched charity things before where I've wanted to donate and maybe t- been too broke or whatever to give any money. Even just watching, being there with us, helping spread the word will be more than enough. Uh, I hope you'll all join us because I think it's going to be a lot of fun and we'll raise a lot of money for a good cause. Yeah, well, that, um, yeah and I'll, I'll um, retweet anything that you mentioned that as well to my followers as well. Um, oh, thank you very much. Again, and uh, everyone else, I'll see you with you guys next time.
Bye-bye.